Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Kristen Foley, who is Human Resources Director at Grandson Creative. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you. So to kick things off, I always like to ask people who you are, what you do, and why you do it. So uh, who are you? Why? What do you do? And why do you do it? That is such like an existential question. <laughs> no, we get we get into it right away. <laughs> um, I uh, my name is Kristen. I'm the HR director at Grandson Creative. We are a trailer house in Culver City, Los Angeles. We also have a print department and key art. So a lot of the movie posters that you see on uh, billboards, bus stops, posters in the theaters, that kind of thing, um, and then the trailers. So just recently, the Barbie trailer was. Um, a grandson trailer mm-hmm. and that has been like all of the rage this weekend. So um, I think I might actually go see it, but uh, nice. I, um, I've been working in human resources for about 20 years now. Um, just coming up in 2024 will be 20 years, which is just insane to me. Congrats. Yeah. It has flown by. So started in asset management, doing the whole financial industry on the East Coast, um, Philadelphia, New York, and then realized that I wanted to be immersed in a more creative industry, creative field. So I moved to Los Angeles about nine years ago and intentionally sought out uh, more creative companies. And so that's where I am today. That's awesome. So I, I believe you are one of the first guests that we've had that works in the entertainment industry. Um, and someone can fact check me on that if I'm wrong. Um, but I, that's so interesting. So I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, at HR within the entertainment industry and kind of like that excitement of, you know, having that pride, sense of pride in a project that everyone receives really well. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's definitely it was a a big shift from and not to say anything negative about those who work in the financial industry. It just wasn't something that interested me personally. And I realized a long time ago that I could take my HR skills and apply them to other industries. I didn't have to, you know, continue to work in an industry that didn't excite me. So now being in the entertainment industry, um, the first thing that I noticed was working with creatives who truly love what they do. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating to see like this art come to life and these ideas that they conceptualize out of virtually thin air. And then the collaboration that happens and the end result. And I'm still just amazed and taken aback by the final result, whether it was, you know, when I was working at the mill and it was post-production VFX, we were doing a lot of the commercials for the Super Bowl or at Grandson, the trailers. When I was at Inocean, a lot of the ads for um, the, the car commercials, the auto industry, it's just so interesting to see that creativity come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to support those who are in that process. Um, And it is a completely different kind of employee, you know, when you're dealing Mm -hmm. with creative types versus more of the analytically driven kind of employees that you would have in the financial industry, there is a very stark difference. Um, And I quite enjoy working with the creatives um, and just kind of 
getting to know them, getting inside of their minds a little bit more. So it's, it's interesting to me in that way, in that dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind elaborating a little bit about that difference? Um, I think that there is, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but a little bit more handholding when it comes to the creatives. They're thinking more abstractly. They're not thinking administratively. So even times when, let's say, someone's promoted to manager of people, what does that mean? What does that mean for someone who's always thinking in a creative way and thinking outside of the box and thinking about their art versus thinking about, you know, performance reviews and time off approvals and, you know, expense reports. Like how do you bridge that gap and present it in a way that is more palatable? So that's been, that's always been an interesting challenge. And I'm not speaking, um, you know, specifically about my, my current role, but just in general over the last you know, 10 years being in this industry, that's something that I've noticed. And it's, it's fun. It's a challenge, but it's definitely, um, there's a difference there where I feel like in the financial and more corporate environment, that is almost like something that employees are more prepared for and eager for and ready to take on. And they want that responsibility in that next step where creative space, I don't know that there's that strong, desire to climb that ladder per se. Yeah. Yeah. The way I think about it is, you know, structure versus non-structure. I used to work with, and I still do work with quite a bit of artists, but in a journalistic capacity, um, you know, I had to enforce deadlines quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And I think I realized it was because, um, you know, artists, you know, and I consider myself a creative as well. um, We kind of live in a world without structure or limits or boxes. So it's, you know, I think there has to be that extra step, like you said, the handholding of reinforcing deadlines and, you know, reminders and things like that. But also allowing that space. Like I have to balance between allowing that space for creativity and not stifling that. The last thing that I want to be doing in a creative kind of, you know, environment is creating these boxes or these strict timelines or deadlines that maybe aren't as necessary and stifling that creativity. So I have to try to find that room to allow for, you know, that creative thought process, but also like, let's try to keep things in check here, you know? Right. I know that there's also, um, you know, you like to bridge the gap between employees and leadership. And I can see, you know, leadership having, you know, I don't want to assume, but I can see them having a little bit more deadline focus, you know, wanting, um, you know, to get things to clients on time, but also, you know, having that creative side to them too. Um, so what's it like, uh, you know, bridging that gap between employees and leadership in a creative realm? I mean, I think a lot of that is relationship building, mm-hmm. you know, have that solid relationship and that foundation. And there's that transparency as to why it's not just this has to get done by this day. Here's the why behind that. Here's where we can be flexible. Here's where maybe we could cut, you know, back a little bit or ask for additional time. Here's where we really can't. So how do we work together to get to that end result? So I think that that collaboration, that relationship building, that trust and that transparency is really important in getting to the goal that everyone needs to reach together, but like understanding why and how we're going to do that with different personalities, different working styles, um, you know, in different speeds, different creative processes. 
Yeah. And I know and as HR, you kind of have to live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. So how do you, uh, you know, live in the world of leadership, but also live in the world of employees? I almost feel like the mediator. I think, it's, <laughs> you know, you kind of hear out both sides yeah. and where can you make suggestions versus, you know, kind of push back one side versus the other. And how can we come to a resolution that makes sense? And at the end of the day, I think that, you know, over the last 20 years, I've been successful in doing that. And it, it comes back again, I think, to relationships, you know, um, and understanding the ask. Why Why are we this? Why is this important? Is this an ego thing or is this actually, you know, a, a client request and demand and the relationship mm-hmm. is, is yeah. you know, relying on this? Um, but I think it can be it can be tricky, but again, yeah, building that rapport, I think is so important because if I come into a conversation and someone's never met me before, they don't really want to hear what I have to say or my yeah. opinion on the matter, especially in something that I'm not an expert in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the field is that, um, you know, my employees are experts in, I'm certainly not, I'm looking in from the outside. So how can I facilitate a productive conversation to help everyone get to a place, you know, whether it's a compromise or an agreement? Yeah. And I know that employee experience is important to you as well. And um, I know your degree in psychology really, really informs, um, you know, a lot of how you interact with and view that employee experience. Could you um, elaborate on that? Sure. Yeah. I think looking at someone holistically as just the whole person that they are, Mm -hmm. if someone's having a bad day or if we've got, you know, absenteeism or if there's just this tension between team members? Is that something related to work? Is there something going on maybe in their personal lives that they haven't shared and don't want to share, which is fine, but really getting to the root. And I think of this holistically from a health and wellness perspective, as well as like, I think it's all tied together as well as a business perspective. Like you look at someone who may be not feeling well, or who's got an illness, what's the root cause instead of just treating the symptoms. The same thing I think goes for you know, work, if there's an issue going on on the team or the business, like what is the root cause? Is, is it is it surface level? Is it really what we think it is? Or is there something else going on that needs to be addressed to resolve the issue that we're seeing play out as almost like the symptom? Mm-hmm. So I kind of, um, you know, approaching that as the employee experience is made up of so much more than just the workplace and understanding that. Whereas we're not managing them outside of the office, but knowing that that does come in to the workplace and kind of, you know, addressing that as a whole, I think is important too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many areas in our lives as humans where we can experience stress and strife and, you know, the workplace is just one of those areas. So like being able to recognize that I think is is really big in, in the people space. Yeah. And if it's not work related, then offering something like the employee assistance program or some of the mental health resources that we have, or maybe it is just you're in the wrong role. You have weaknesses and you're, you know, you're, you're in a role that's really relying on the things that are not your area of expertise, but maybe you'd be better suited working in this area of the business and excelling. And there's a team who needs that skill set. So kind of looking at, again, holistically, the business as a whole, what makes the most sense? And we're not necessarily stuck to the role that we hired someone to work in. Do we move them around? Is that going to be beneficial to them? Will they be happier or 
maybe they are happy and they just need someone to recognize work well done, you know? So I think kind of, um, again, like looking at that person as a whole within the company as a whole human being, like how does that all play together and having their, you know, manager, whomever is supervising them understand that too, and maybe not take things personally. And then you get into the whole managing of people and them understanding that everyone brings their personal, you know, selves into the office, the whole authenticity and and all of that. So I think, again, it just, there's so many layers and it really is just so holistic. It's just such a, a microcosm of just different personalities, work styles, um, you know, past experiences, current goals, it just all ties together. Yeah. And something, you know, you said about making sure that a person is in the right role. It um, reminded me of what you said about how artists, they're more open to, you know, the experiences that are, you know, a little bit more horizontal as opposed to, I believe the financial sector was more about climbing the ladder as you know a people person have you found that it has been easy to collaborate and brainstorm opportunities that may not exactly result in upward mobility but bring about like a huge creative um you know feeling of accomplishment yeah i think so just looking back over the years i mean i think there's so many ways that you can add value and satisfaction to someone's role mm-hmm. if you necessarily have a promotion you know or a role to promote them into there's mentorship and there's you know we have we had graduate business analyst training programs and we have internships and we have um you know different uh, programs with universities throughout the years in my in the companies that i've worked with and i think that when someone gets the opportunity to share what they do it reignites that passion in a way um, and I think that that's definitely an area um, to add, you know, if someone's looking to kind of add some value to their current role without necessarily wanting to take the next step. And not everyone wants to manage people, you know, yeah. some people would love that opportunity and are, are thriving in that role and others don't necessarily want to take that, you know, next step. And I think that's perfectly fine too, and not pushing them or pressing them to fill a role that they don't necessarily feel they would enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, you said something else. You said share what they do because I know, you know, when I create something out of nothing, like there's a sense of pride and you want to show someone and and have someone celebrate with you. So I, I love that you said that. Yeah. I think anytime someone wants to know more about you and what you do, it kind of lights you up in any way, you know? So having let's say junior employees wanting to shadow or be mentored by senior, you know, employees who have been successful in the industry that they're trying to break into, whether it's an intern, high school, college, uh, a junior employee, a mid-level employee. I think even, you know, setting something up with the creative director, um, I think is really important for people to get that FaceTime, but also just that sharing of, of what you do, how you've gotten there, what you've learned along the way. I think it's exciting. I like yeah. to ask me what I do, you know, yeah. <laughs> I really love my job. I just yeah. had about it. So, um, you know, I think that, but also looking at how, you know, employees can get involved in things like diversity and inclusion and employee mm-hmm. resources groups and, 
um, mentorship programs and our culture club, for example, or a newsletter or volunteer days or really diving deep into what the employees value and then being able to tie that back into the business. I think that's also another way to expand a role without necessarily having, you know, that hierarchy and that, that yeah. ladder to climb. Yeah. People like to, to feel like they're part of something. And I just have to say that when you said culture club, I thought of boy, George, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, not that culture club, a different one. But still is cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so a few minutes ago, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about holistic, um, <clears throat> the whole, whole holistic wellness. Uh, I know that you uh, do nutrition health coaching, and that has been a big part of, you know, how you manage your wellness and, um, you know, try to, you know, strengthen your mental health so you can be there for the people that you you serve. Um, so tell me a little bit about how nutrition plays into your wellness. Yeah, that was something that's always been a passion of mine. And I couldn't figure out how to tie that into the work that I did for a long time. And then when I had, um, I took an extended maternity leave when my son, well, I started when I was pregnant with the, um, the coursework at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And then I took an extended maternity leave and I finished that year long certification and it just, everything just all came together for me mm. in my, you know, I would say 15 years ago, things would definitely stress me out. Would I would take the, just the feelings of other people home with me working in HR. You're listening to people, you know, vent sometimes or share their frustrations. Um, and it's hard not to let that weigh on you or just want to fix the problem or be upset, yeah. you know, whomever is kind of causing the issue. And it took me a long time to kind of just let things play out the way that they are. And mm. a lot of that has to do with meditation and breath work and being out in nature and eating the right foods and eating, you know, whole organic unprocessed foods. So much of that plays into my, just my focus, my energy levels, my awareness of the situation at hand and not necessarily, you know, kind of playing into the frustrations of others or, or feeling that almost as like a, not that I, I consider myself a highly sensitive person, although I have been told that could that could be just because I do tend to take on that energy. Anyway, long-winded way of saying I um, went through that health coaching course. I did a lot of one-on-one integrative nutrition health coaching, and I saw the impact that looking at life holistically and making small, just small tweaks had mm-hmm. started significant impact on people's lives, their career, their financial health, their relationships, their social life, their home cooking, their physical movement, it all ties together. And that's who you show up as at work. You know, it makes such a difference. So I've been so pleased to see wellness brought into the workplace in such an exciting way, whether that's through different platforms, like Caravan is one that I've implemented at a few different companies that I work at. Um, The insurance carriers now will offer um, a budget for the year for wellness initiatives. And you really get flexibility with that where you can say, okay, we've got 20 grand for the year. Here's how we're going to use that. And you can do a month of wellness. You can do something throughout every month throughout the entire year. And you see just 
the employee population just up level, you know, all of a sudden they start getting interested in walking and walking challenges and, you know, overhauling the snacks in the office and, you know, um, joining gyms and getting corporate gym memberships and doing breath work and meditation. We even had someone come in at one of my other companies to do uh, a cumulative meditation course, and she had studied under Deepak Chopra. So it's just bringing that into the workplace, that mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I actually heard someone on a podcast and he worked, he was 20 years at LinkedIn, forget what his title was, but it was something completely unrelated to health and well being. And he started implementing like a 30 second mindfulness meditation before every meeting. And people thought he was crazy. Like they're like when this corporate space in suits and they're like, why are we doing this waste of time? We need to get into it. And he started and all of a sudden people started taking that to their other meetings and it Mm. became part of the culture. And he actually at one point was given a new role as like some kind of mindfulness. Wow. Thing at LinkedIn, which is crazy, you know, yeah. <laughs> have someone like that. So I love that. I love seeing that. I know the impact it's had on me personally and professionally. Um, I have completely up leveled in my life and in my, in my kind of career by implementing a lot of those habits. So I just, I like to see our employees thriving as much as I just, I want to see people thriving. Yeah. I want everyone to be, thriving. I want the people I see at Starbucks to be thriving. <laughs> I want the person in the office next to me to be living their best life. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I like that you said about, you know, making changes is that you start small and, and that you mm-hmm. use the word tweaks because mm-hmm. I'm sure it can be overwhelming for someone who's just starting out, you know, to look at you and compare themselves while not realizing that you had your own small tweaks to, to lead to where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, There was a, I can never remember the quote and I've tried to Google it and I cannot find it, but it was something that I think Dr. Phil had actually said. And it was the, the idea is that if you have two ships going in the same direction and one ship veers off by one degree in a year, they're going to be in completely different places. Yeah. That's the way I like to look at it is like every day, if there's something that you can do to one degree of progress that time is going to go by so fast anyway, you might as well do something small than do nothing at all because it's too overwhelming to say, I'm going to completely overhaul my life tomorrow. On Monday, these are all the things <laughs> I, do I wasn't doing before. Um, it's so much more impactful and sustainable to just do something small each day and then build on that and have that compound effect. Yeah. And I I know one thing that's important to you is leading by example. So I'm certain that, you know, leading by example is showing that these tweaks are smaller, you know, as you're progressing, like, hey, I'm at this point, but I'm still making progress. Um, So how do you, you know, what other ways do you lead by example um, within the organization? I would say, Well, I certainly bring my wellness habits. So from a literal standpoint, like I show up with my healthy foods, I take my walk at lunch, I'll take calls, you know, while walking if possible, if it's a meeting that I don't need to be like, you know, um, face to face uh, on Zoom or something like that, something I just need to listen in on. So I do encourage people to do that when they can. Um, I'll go to the gym across the street with some of my coworkers at lunch. Hey, I'm going to go walk on the treadmill for 
30 minutes. Do you want to come? And they do. So literally leading by example in that way, like follow me to the gym. But also Mm -hmm. I think just the small tweaks too. Cause uh, I, let's say my current role, I came in, it's been about a year and you walk in the door and everyone is like, here are all the things that we want done today. And that's obviously not possible. So throughout the course of the year, I kind of mapped out like each month here are the different initiatives we're going to implement. And then no one feels overwhelmed and no one feels Mm -hmm. like there's this overhaul. And maybe they didn't even notice some of the changes that, you know, have, have been done positive changes. Um, But when you look back over the year, you're like, wow, a lot of really great things have happened, but they didn't feel overwhelming. It didn't feel Um, something that we couldn't handle. So I think just kind of taking it in that way. And also just in terms of conversations, you know, I think work can be hard and it can be really hard post pandemic and coming back to an office and before the pandemic, it can be hard going into an office every day and just navigating this new normal that we have, it can be challenging. And whether that's for someone who may have you know, childcare or a partner who works at home and, you know, you're trying to work from home and there's not enough space in the house and, or your kid comes in, which happens to me sometimes. <laughs> Just understanding that we're all human at the end of the day. Like I really will show that in my own life so that our employees know that it's okay for them to have those experiences in their own life too, that it's not yeah. going to negatively impact you if, a siren goes off because your window's up on a Zoom call or your dog barks, you know, but also like show up every day, like give it a hundred percent, even when things are hard, what do we need to do? What's the solution here? What do we need to crack on? What do we need to push forward on? How do we prioritize? My door is always open. I'm always available to, you know, talk through an issue where you may not need my assistance, but you just need someone to, hear you out and help you. And this was something that we did in, you know, in, in um, the integrative nutrition health coaching too, is oftentimes any individual who's kind of working through something usually knows the solution and has the answers at hand, but isn't Mm -hmm. sure. So a lot of the times it's just listening and letting someone talk through it. And then they come to the resolution on their own. So I thought that that, um, that can be a way to lead by example in just the way of saying less sometimes and just letting them talk through it. And then hopefully in conversations with their team and, you know, those who report to them, they also can take that approach as well as you don't always have to provide the answer. Sometimes you just need to listen and let the other person come up with the solution themselves. Yeah. And I know that one thing that you do really well is help minimize tensions when you have difficult conversations, because the thing is difficult and scary are, are there are different words, but sometimes they, they combine when it comes to these conversations. And I know that, that you're really good at taking that scary part out of and just having it just be, all right, we're going to go through some challenges, but it's not going to be scary. Yeah. And that transparency is important. I think compassion really plays a big part of, you know, in, that. And in my, in the 20 years I've been doing this, unfortunately, I've had to do a number of terminations, whether they were for cause or redundancies, you know, restructure, they're never easy. And 
we've always had the time to process it first and work through it. And we know mm-hmm. it, but the person yeah. on the other side, it's like a breakup. Like when you break up with someone, you've already processed that, but they are blind right. usually. Um, so understanding that and having compassion and really being, um, I think kind in those conversations is important. And then being available after the fact, because if I'm presenting you with information that's maybe not pleasant or coming as a surprise, you're, it's going to take time to process that. And mm-hmm. we're probably going to talk later. So even if you're no longer with the company, I'm always available to, what did you mean when you said Cobra? When do I get my severance? You know, mm-hmm. about unemployment or what are the references I can get from the company? How do I roll over my 401k? Like, yeah cutting someone off the day that they're out the door. Um, And that's not just for, you know, terminations, but also for difficult conversations. Like here's what, here's what we're hearing. And you, I understand that you don't agree, but this is the perception that many of your colleagues are experiencing. So how do we shift that? And how do we change that? And just kind of getting, you know, people to understand what the issue at hand is. It's not always personal, but kind of resolving that together in a compassionate way. So Kristen, I know that when you have those difficult conversations that you have to protect your own mental health because there's a fair amount of stress that that weighs on you for having those. So, you know, what kind of, um, you know, things do you turn to when you have to have those conversations? Mm, That's such a good question, especially as a team, a small team of one, I am the only HR Mm. representative and I've, worked for smaller companies. I prefer that. And so there are not, there isn't a team where everyone understands kind of what you do. So that's actually a really good question. And I think a lot of HR professionals forget that we're employees too, and that we need to take care of ourselves, you know, the work we've been doing. Um, So I think finding a network of other HR professionals is imperative. I think that's so Mm -hmm. important to, to, speak with other people who do what you do, who understand your challenges, your wins. Um, but also being able to remove yourself from work at the end of the day, to mm-hmm. not energy home with you of everyone else to be able to say that was their experience and that's valid, but I don't need to take those feelings and emotions with me. Mm-hmm. My job helps resolve it for that person, not to take that on for that person. So I think yeah. that's, something that I've learned over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, things like breath work, meditation. There is, um, uh, again, a platform caravan that I use, and there's five-minute breath work or um, meditation sessions that are meant specifically for in-between meetings, in-between calls. Oh, you know, cool. I use the Be Focused timer app in my, on my there's a like a plug-in on my Mac and for 25 minutes, I focus, the alarm goes off for five minutes. I get up. Even if I just get up and walk down the hallway or outside or check my phone or just get Mm -hmm. up off my seat, it's such a great reset. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think, you know, it's important too to remember at the end of the day that work is not your identity that this is a job that we do and that we chose to do and that we enjoy, hopefully most of us. Um, But there are so many other things that make up life and it's important to 
find those things and to cultivate those things and those relationships. And again, that goes back to leading by example too. I don't want to be emailing, you know, different teams at nine o'clock at night on a Friday or mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon. I will purposely hit schedule send later if there's something I don't want to forget. Um, so yeah. I try say, take vacations, don't work on weekends, and then not take vacations and work on weekends myself, because then that just the expectation that even though I've said that, I expect you to be doing what I'm doing. So I try to, um, to really separate work and, and life and have that balance. Um, I think you show up as your better self when you are at work and you show up as your best self with the people that you're with when you're not at work. And I think that's so important. And I think that is a great note to end our audience with. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, But before we part, where, if people want to find you and connect with you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can find me on Instagram. It's Holistic HR Solutions. Um, Because someone had that handle, it's holistic.hr.solutions. Okay. put the little dots in there. Um, but I'll be sharing different tips and news related to HR as it comes about. Um, and also just things that I observe in the industry and, and the kind of the way that I really want to shake things up and do things differently. I think HR has changed so much since the days of compliance mm-hmm. and now really more, you know, working with people and understanding yeah. And it goes back to like just humanness and mm-hmm. compassion and more of a heart-centered approach. So that's really where I'm focusing and um and I hope to inspire others to do that too, who may have gotten kind of wrapped up and stale in the old ways and kind of bring things to a new fresh perspective. So you can find me there. I do have a website as well, which is holistichrsolutions.net. Um, it's pretty and it looks nice, but there's not much there just yet. So <laughs> investment, <laughs> the tiny now. peaks, right? <laughs> I do like beautiful things. That's why I work in the creative space. Yes. So. <laughs> the aesthetic matters to me too. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. And if you or anyone you know is like Kristen who wants to take a heart-centered approach toward HR, email me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.